0: Touchdown at 10 on a Monday. You know what that means. Right away we go to our hotlines. We can talk some football. We can break it down with a man who knows how to break it down. Certainly offensively, that's for sure one of the best play callers in the NFL's had over the last 20 years, our good friend Jay Gruden. Jay, Pete, and Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing good.
1: How are you guys doing today?
3: Oh, Jay, we're doing better than Ron Rivera and the Commanders, I can tell you that much. How are you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. They played pretty well for the most part. Come up short at the one-yard line is tough pill to swallow. Jay, explain this
0: nuance to us. Short yardage plays and certainly this play down on the goal line. How do, because we see it happen a lot, how do routes not get run to the marker? And in this case, how do routes not get run into the end zone in situations like this? Because this happens at all levels of football, uh, probably more than it should.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you got one play left. you got to make sure everybody gets in the end zone, that's for sure. You know, they tried a little uh, trail route with the halfback, and uh, Carson, I think, might have been a little bit too quick to get rid of it and didn't give him time to get in the end zone. And David Long made a great play. I mean, mm-hmm. really, he was the hook player, and uh, he, he knocked Terry off his route and then still stayed his hook, had the eye discipline, and made a great break on the ball. But that was a little unique play. I mean, it was good coverage, but uh, you liked like to have him come off that and find a second or third or fourth receiver in the end zone somewhere.
3: Jay, your best guess with all of the knowledge and experience you have, but obviously not privy to the call, the you know, the game plan, what have you, besides what you just described, uh should that should JD have been the number one on that particular play, or should it have been Terry on the little uh quick slant uh before he gets bumped off? Uh, meaning, should he have been the primary target, your best guy, as opposed to a, a really good guy in J.D.? Or did you have no problem with basically how it played out?
1: Yeah, I think the read was if uh, Terry gets hands-on by that hook player, by David Long, then he goes right to uh, replacing him with uh, uh right there in the end zone. Okay. Unfortunately, David did an unbelievable job. He put hands-on and then got back into his hook zone really quickly and then made a great break on the ball. Um, I think Carson just saw uh, David Long put hands on Terry, so he got off of Terry, went right to McKissick, and uh, just the timing of the play didn't match the quickness of how quickly he got rid of the ball.
0: Jay, on the sidelines, take us inside those chaotic times in terms of do we call timeout, do we not call timeout, do we have two plays called Uh, in the huddle certainly with a guy like Wentz you would think you can do that because he's a veteran he's run a gazillion two-minute drills but what what goes into success in navigating all of that chaos uh, in those final seconds like that especially when you don't have timeouts
1: yeah I think the most important thing like you said earlier is make sure guys are in the end zone so if it's complete or incomplete complete you obviously win if it's incomplete you got time to run two or three plays and, uh, you know, the first pass was incomplete. He threw it away, and the back of the end zone it was almost picked. And then, uh, obviously, the incompletion there at the end, the interception, I mean. But um, the only issue you have is you can't take a sack. You know, I, I've been in situations at the end of half where Kirk took a sack, and, you know, you just pull your hair out and you just can't take a sack. And uh, if you do take a sack, then you got to have a play ready to go, a nine-one-one play. We had a play called end zone where everybody's going to be in the end zone and everybody knew what to do. But, yeah, it's it can get get pretty chaotic, but you think at the one-yard line, you're going to have three opportunities to get the ball in the end zones and uh, give your team a chance. Um,
3: when when it comes to calling plays and specifically, so uh, I, you know Grant. Obviously, you're going to be on with Grant and Danny later on. So during the press conference, he asked Ron about not having two plays called so that he didn't have to burn the third timeout, Jay, with uh, 28 seconds left, right? Um nobody wants to burn their third timeout with 28 seconds left but they ultimately did right um so his point grant's point was why didn't you have two plays called for second and third so you don't have to burn your third timeout on uh the third or before the third down play how hard is that to do how hard is that to feed a quarterback that information have it all be processed not knowing what the down and distance would be on the second of the two plays and have it all work out seemingly. I, I mean, it, it doesn't seem hard, but I know it is hard, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it's not hard. I think every team has a, a list of plays that they can get to in a two-minute type hurry-up situation, whether it's a one-word means all or two words or whatever it is. It, it tells you the protection, it tells you the routes. I think the majority of teams have that. I think the thought of taking the timeout probably was they had plenty of time to get enough balls in the end zone and get a victory, which they ultimately did. They just didn't get it in the end zone. You know, I think, you know, having two or three shots at the one-yard line, uh, surely is is enough time to get the ball in the end zone. I don't think time was that much of a factor until the very end. If you have three shots from the one-yard line, surely you get a, get one of them in there.
0: Talking with Jay Gruden, our touchdown at 10, 10 o'clock spot, as we do each and every Monday morning, breaking down the Commanders' 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans yesterday. You know, Jay, overall, the numbers for Carson Wentz, you know, 359, you know, in this game with a with a couple of touchdowns, you're you're trying to take the good that they've accomplished here through the first five games, and there has been uh, some good, but at one and four, you know, how hard is it to accept these results when, you know, you're paid to win games, and, and ultimately, as you know, this is a results-oriented business. Is there much more, you know, that they can do, or is there anything different they could do to, to, to change the results right now from a systemic standpoint, because you know this, this this is about players and it's about th- them executing on the field.
1: Yeah, I think the, they did take a step in the right. They did look better this week than they did the last previous two weeks, so that's a good thing. Carson was able to get the ball down the field. He had some big plays. The, the Diami Brown and Terry McLaurin got a couple, and uh, so that that was the exciting part of their offense. At least they got some chunk yardage, and they played good enough. They stood toe to toe with Tennessee, and, and I thought they really. They dominated the line of scrimmage on defense. They played well at the defensive line. They got pressure on Candy Hill all day, but uh, there's just didn't get the victory. And that's just you know it's the way it is in the NFL now. There's so much parity uh, with some of these teams that uh, it's going to come down to one play, one referee call, uh, like the Atlanta game. They had called for brawling the passer on the worst call I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> you know it's just going to happen like that. So um, you just got to somehow figure out a way to persevere in these late close games. Yeah,
3: we'll get to that Atlanta-Tampa call, because there was another, there was a really soft call on, um, um th- that Tennessee got called for on Carson Wentz, that was a horrific call, and the commanders couldn't make them pay for it, Uh there was a bunch of that of course around uh, the NFL, uh, Jay Gruden with us, as he is each and every Monday morning at 10 for Touchdown at 10 here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, Uh and um so, so Jay, I, I wanted to ask this now. On a short week, we all know how compressed that is. You can't practice. Uh, injuries are a major problem. They all, you know, for every team, you got to travel. You had to do that a bunch to Dallas for Thanksgiving Day on the short weeks. Uh, I, I think there was maybe like one other road game on a Thursday night here uh, that was non-Dallas. I, I mean, it sucks. Um, how do you, how do you prepare a reeling mentally and physically? Team in that short amount of span. How do you keep spirits up while, again, giving these guys the rest that they need, and again making sure that the urgency beyond urgency is there on Thursday night?
1: Yeah, it's tough. That's the toughest thing. You know, you got to get the guys in here on Monday today, and you got to figure out who's available. Number one, you know, find out which guys are playing. Who you got to call up in a practice squad or whatever to get your fifty-three man your roster together. And then you got to come up with a plan. You know the coaches are working hard right now to come up with their base first, second down plan right now. And then tomorrow they'll put in the third down plan. And then uh, probably the next day they'll put in the short yardage goal line red zone plan. So it is a it is a tough week for coaches and players alike uh, to get this thing together. But both teams got to do it. Chicago's got the same issues, um, but it's something you got to do, and it's a pain in the neck. I hated them, but uh, it is the way the NFL is right now.
0: Jay, we talk about chemistry all the time, particularly when it uh, when, when it's the offensive line and, and, you know, not seeking excuses for them or anything. But, you know, when you're playing with a new center, a new right guard, and a new right tackle uh, during the course of a game, you know, how does that change the dynamic uh, just from a play caller's standpoint, knowing that you've got three new dudes that are uh, still introducing themselves, uh, you know, to the other first team guys up there uh, during the course of a game?
1: Yeah, it's tough. You know, you look around the league, a lot of teams are going through it right now. Um, so it's just something you have to live with and you have to make sure these guys know what to do and try to execute the best way you can and protect your quarterback the best way you can, changing up protections, changing up launching points, uh, getting ball out of his hands quicker. Um, and then when you do try to take shots down the field, get your maximum play play action chip in the ends and all that good stuff, which they did a pretty good job of. They threw two go balls they threw a post route. They threw a nice seam ball to Terry. So they took their shot. They were protecting pretty good, but, uh, you know, um, it's just tough sometimes.
3: Uh, Jay, uh, one play that we didn't ask you about in decision and kind of take us through the process, four minutes left. You know, Wentz launches one uh, up the uh, commander sideline. Cam Sims, uh, you know, seemingly... Uh, Sort of comes down with it, whatever. Uh, They rule it a non-catch. Washington and Ron Rivera challenges it. Number one, A, in your mind, a good challenge or a bad challenge considering the time, the down and distance. Again, it was third and one, four minutes left, down by four, and you're at your 20-yard line when that play is snapped. So you're looking at a fourth down if it, again, goes incomplete, which is how it was ruled. Um, Or was it a good challenge because you want the chunk yardage and it's worth the exchange of the potential loss of timeout?
1: Well, I think the replay uh, kind of told the tale. It looked like he bobbled it. So I think they had ample time to look at the replay. It's not like they were on defense and the other team was doing a hurry up to try to get the uh, playoff before the replay was shown. Uh, They had plenty of time to see the replay, and it looked to me on the replay like the ball was clearly moving uh, when he hit the ground, so they shouldn't have challenged it. But um, if they thought he caught it, um, then, yeah, it's a good challenge because 25 yards is hard to come by.
0: Jay, at this point – at one, if, if for some reason you lose Thursday and you're sitting there at one and five and, you know, God forbid the quarterback makes a couple of questionable decisions, is it worth at this point making any kind of a change there or are th- is it worth it in the long haul because of, as you mentioned, you know, they hit the go balls to Deami Brown and they got the big play on the seam route because Carson can give you those things. Is it still worth playing out to see where he is, or is is does anything change, or do you gain anything positive by making a change, uh, even though it would only be six games into the season?
1: Well, I think a lot depends on how they play Thursday. You know, I think Carson did look a lot better in this game than he did the previous two, so that's a good thing. And if he continues to build off that performance and they get a big win against Chicago, that'll be a mute point. But if they do happen to lose to Chicago, then I think there has to be some discussion about making a change somewhere because. You know, Chicago's struggling in their own right. So this is a game they have to win, I think, for a lot of people, for a lot of the players, uh, for their job security and all that stuff. uh, they got to get this win. They'll have some time off to to recover, um, extra, you know, that whole weekend to have off and then kind of get back to uh, a positive frame of mind. So that's a big win for them for a lot of reasons. But if they do lose, then, uh, yes, I think they would have to look at a change.
0: Is that the toughest decision from a coaching standpoint in terms of personnel?
1: I think so. You know, you put a lot of effort and time into getting uh, these guys ready to play. And when they don't perform uh, the way you thought they would perform, um, it's hard to make a change. But if you think it's for the betterment of the team and the locker room, then sometimes you have to make those changes. Um, You can't just stay stagnant and do the same thing over and over again and get beat. You know, you have to show your team that you're going to try anything that is necessary to win games and sometimes making changes at critical positions is, is what you have to do. Yeah.
3: Along those lines, with William Jackson the uh, third, you know, I mean, he gets, finally, he gets benched yesterday, right? Ron says, no, 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 no. He, we just decided to make the decision. The player says, no, 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 it was because I was injured. I told the team they make no announcement in the press box, which is a standard, you know, operating procedure of an injury. Ron doesn't acknowledge any injury. Jay, it, it seems like Ron and, and, at times, others in the organization are not on the same page, whether it be Ron, to player, or even Scott Turner. He's back up in the booth now after four weeks down on the sideline. I mean, there's been a, a couple of different examples of this where it doesn't seem like this whole unit is on the same page. How hard is it to be on the same page? Like, when you were there, I mean, we all know... We all know Bruce, right? <laughs> we don't need to go down that road. But, I mean, how hard was it to be on the same page with everybody and to have everything kind of be uniform in thought and philosophy?
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be hard, especially if you have a lot of people uh, stirring in the kitchen. You know, you, you know they, we, we had too many chefs when I was there, but uh, right now Ron's the main chef, so he has total control over the whole organization. So there should be no indecision or confusion. He should, needs to make these calls, and he's making these calls. and they should be on the same page because it's his page, you know. So that should be a lot easier for them because they don't have five or six people making decisions.
0: Jay, you were great at coming up with concepts offensively. Is there much different? I mean, is there much more that this group could do? Is there much more that Scott can do uh, to try and make this group successful? Because, like again, yesterday we see it in we see it in those short bursts. That man, yes, this these explosive chunk plays are there. Conceptually, is there really much Scott could do uh that he isn't trying to do uh with this team overall through these first five games?
1: I thought yesterday called a really good game. You know, I think he put his team in position, uh, to win that game. Um, you know, Carson had a pretty productive outing throwing for some yards and uh the running game wasn't quite there, but Tennessee's a pretty good run defense. They always have been. But uh yeah, I think you just got to continue to look at what you're doing well and trying to get your key players the ball uh, different ways, and and making sure you protect your quarterback. That's the one thing they got to continue to do, and and I'm sure he will do.
3: All right, Jay Gruden with us. Uh, time to spin around the rest of the NFL. So, Jay, last Monday after Dallas beat down Washington, you you know, I asked you basically, is Dallas a Super Bowl contender in your mind? And you said, yeah, because of their defense. Well, yesterday they went into Los Angeles, and you're a consultant, full disclosure, uh, for Sean McVay and the Rams, but they whipped them around pretty good. I assume your opinion hasn't changed on the Cowboys uh, after week five.
1: No, not at all. Those guys are strong. Uh, Their front is very good, very productive, and and Dan Quinn does an excellent job mixing up his coverages and and giving those guys an opportunity They got some corners they can cover. They do a great job of getting hands-on receivers and, and disrupting routes just long enough to let DeMarcus Lawrence and, and the rest of those guys get home in the pass rush.
0: Uh, let's talk about their game next week. I mean, Philadelphia, Dallas, I mean, it's nice to see the NFC East back a little bit because the Giants are playing well uh, also. But uh, what do you think of this matchup coming up next week? The Eagles seemingly always find a way, uh, even when it is close, they find a way right now. And uh, this should be a hell of a football game coming up next week.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a great game. Uh, both teams will try to play a very good defense, without a doubt, and it's going to be up to you know, how you contain a quarterback uh, for Philadelphia. He's playing at a pretty high level, getting out of the pocket, making plays with his legs. Uh, they got to keep him in the pocket, make him make those accurate timing-type throws. Uh, but he's making them right now. So it'll be a tough challenge for the defense for Dallas, but I think uh, it'll be a close, low-scoring game.
3: Um, with – With the Brady-Atlanta-Grady-Jarrett call that you mentioned earlier, and I'm sure everybody's seen it, it was a horrific, horrific call. I I forgot the excuse that the official gave. It was like, uh, you know, recklessly throwing him to the ground or whatever. Do you think that's simply because that's Tom Brady? Or if that was, I don't know. um, Kirk. Well, not (laughs) even Kirk, but I mean, if that was, I don't know, Davis Mills or, 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 you know, some other 9-to-5 ham and egger, would they have gotten that call?
1: No, I don't think so. I, I think that, uh, or maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know what the referee is looking at. That, that call is unacceptable. That's the, another argument for these coaches to be able to challenge uh, personal foul type plays um, because, you know, Arthur Smith is over there fighting for his coaching career, and uh, they're making a call like that that takes his team out of a chance to win the game. And there's he did nothing wrong. <laughs> you know, the, it was a solid tackle, a good sack, and an unfortunate penalty that cost them an opportunity to win the game, which is unacceptable in my view.
0: I was going to say, too, because Grady Jarrett did the one thing you have to do. He got him around the waist. You can't go low. We know you can't go high. So, I mean, it's exactly, if you're going to teach it, Grady Jarrett did just that thing. And, in fact, if anything, Brady landed on him. He kind of softened the blow for him uh, in that situation. I'm with you. I, I still know how Arthur can stand over there in that
1: moment. And, and just, it was a coaching clinic sack. Oh, it was a perfect sack. Yeah. It was how you got to take down the quarterback mm-hmm. uh, by the rules that are set by the NFL and, and, and the NFLPA.
0: Jay, let's talk about your boy Kirk for a minute here. Uh, four and one for the first time in his career. Clearly, uh, he and Mister Jefferson uh, are moving on up uh, to the east side uh, to the deluxe apartment in the sky right now in that division. And you know, give give Kevin a lot of credit. I mean, he's hit the ground running uh, with this group. They seem to have a belief, and uh, right now playing uh, some pretty solid football.
1: Yeah, very good. You know, he's done a good job. He gets everybody involved, you know, and and obviously Jefferson's a difference maker, and Kirk is uh, very accurate with those intermediate routes, and uh, they're playing good enough on defense to keep them in games as well. So uh, he inherited a pretty good team. You know, he inherited Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Thelian and uh, Dalvin Cook, so uh, it's not like his cupboard was empty. You know, Mike Zimmer did a pretty good job of getting players in there. He just had a lot of injuries his last two or three years as head coach to his defense, and uh, they couldn't stop anybody, but uh, they're playing good football right now.
3: I'll let you out on this. Uh, maybe it's not a shock because, well, Skylar Thompson was a seventh-round pick and the third-string quarterback with the Tua situation and then the Teddy Bridgewater injury and the new concussion protocols and all that, and go figure it would happen to the Dolphins, but – a little bit surprising that that Dolphins' defense got roughed up as much as they did by the Jets. All of a sudden, the Jets, Jay, not only is solid doing a good job with their defense, all of a sudden they got something cooking on offense with all those guys.
1: Yeah, that Bryce Hall, Brees Hall, man, he's running he's running mm-hmm. hard. And they catching the ball out of the backfield, and, and uh, they're doing an excellent job. And their defense has always been kind of a nuisance. They got a pretty good defense over there. And uh, get the young quarterback going, they, they're a dangerous team. Jay,
0: appreciate the time, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. You got it. Thank you guys. Thank you Jay. It. Jay. Appreciate Gruden you joining us. By the way, the more the Jets win, do you think Zach Wilson's going to keep tweeting at uh, Giselle Bunchin?
3: Did he Wait. Oh, oh, did um did Zach... I I've seen all the Antonio Brown things about Giselle yeah, Buncheon. The
0: Jets quarterback, he said, "Don't worry, Giselle, I got you."
3: Oh. Oh yeah, you know what I forgot about I told that? Told you
0: that last week. He's, I forgot about that. Yeah. Young fellas, young fella. Look, the young fella.
3: Dax is is rolling around with with Zach's ex girlfriend while Zach supposedly is with mommy's friend, right? But but Zach, wait, Zach, yeah, Zach is saying, no, no, that's not true. So theoretically, he's a single young strapping buck, right? That's uh, what he is. So now he's on on the prowl for Giselle, huh? He's so a, so AB is doing cartoon uh, images of, of of Tom Brady leaving Giselle at the door. Did you see that? I did. Uh, I mean, AB is a sick dude. dude AB is in a wacky he, place he, he right is, now. He is, and, and and then Zach is kind of making fun. Uh, he did something else too. Right after that initial incident, he's pretty funny on social media. yeah. I give, right, give, He's give the unfollow credit. On social media, and he, like
0: he is very cougar centric.
3: Um, yes, uh, we we. Uh, whew, man, uh, we need something good to laugh at because it's pretty depressing around here. All right, I don't know. You heard what Jay said. Jay Jay didn't seem to think that the clock management was. I mean, the thing that I took away, Jay didn't have as big of a problem with clock management as I think everyone else did. Uh, not leaving yourself. With, and he is theoretically right. You have three plays.
0: 19 seconds, least. three plays. You
3: could have had a fourth if you don't get intercepted. So, you have three or four minimum, three minimum, four definite or or four max cracks from the 2-yard line to get it in even without no running back even or no running game, even with no run cell, no timeouts. His point is you got to get it in from the 2 or you don't deserve to win. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Yeah. I think right, it's, I think it's fair in that all, situation. All of the things we can talk about, which I think are still relevant and valid, but bottom line, and he agreed with you. What do you, what do you say? You have to run, have routes that get in and, the end zone that get in the end zone.
0: And I, and I want to go back to the one play again too. And I think it's important to emphasize. And again, not looking to make excuses for Ron and and the the team's execution late in the game, but the time lost on the lack of administration by the officials when their guy goes down, if the side judge is down on the ground, the field judge has to come up the field and help and close down in that situation, which is how they're taught mechanically. They've got to get that clock determination either running or stopped in that situation. You do the teams a disservice in that situation. And as you know, Ron talked about, they just didn't know if the clock was going to stop or if it was going to keep running in that situation. And that's where the officials have to work in concert with each other. The field judge is supposed to close down that play coming up the sideline, and he's got to help out mechanically in that situation. So that part of game administration by the officials, as it's you know always seemingly something, but in this case a lack of administration of the game properly by the officials hurt Washington in that situation at a critical spot as well 301-230-0980 your show the rest of the way let's talk about it we're at halftime second half of the show begins next right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours